Hello, I'm Seth. I'm Scott. And I'm Brian. And we are track walking. Tonight we have another guest, uh, Brian DeFreeze. Uh, I could introduce Brian DeFreeze for like half an hour and not let him talk because I know uh, most of his good stories already. But uh, Brian, how about you introduce yourself and I'll tell you when you're doing it wrong. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? That's, that sounds like a good plan. Um, since uh, I've been on many adventures with with you, with with you both, and uh, we I'm sure we'll sh- we've shared many experiences that I uh, will talk about. But uh, yep, I uh, I've known Seth since we rally crossed uh, back in the day down here. Uh, I'm in Austin, Texas, and I used to get mad at Seth uh, and his co-driver uh, Zachary Sober when they would drive their Mazda two on rails and. Uh, I was like, man, I really wish I could be as fast as those guys someday. Uh, but uh, that 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 uh, led to Seth and I taking a trip to uh, the Nationals in in my my Civic, and then down the road we took that Civic to uh, one lap and met up with Scott and have been friends with him ever since. And uh, now Scott and I are running GLTC together, and I'm still in that same Civic for all three of those uh, different types of, of motorsports. I'm not sure many people have ever said that they wished they could be as fast as a Mazda 2. <laughs> During the time, it was really fascinating because Brian was learning to drive. In every event, he got closer to me. Like like every single event, it was the, the gap between me beating him shrank and shrank and shrank right up until the last event. Um, when you were like less than a second cumulative behind me or something... And then I killed the car, and you were never able to beat me in the car. So that was kind of fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, it's funny. I can't really remember that, but uh, I'm sure you're telling uh, the accurate and honest truth. So I'll take your word for it. That's the only kind of truth that I know. Or I've just erased that that part of my rallycross <laughs> history from my brain forever <laughs> well the thing is after so after my mazda 2 died and you let me start driving your car at various times because you were a kind and generous person you were immediately faster you were always faster than me and once that started happening i never beat you again i don't think i've the only thing i can beat you in now is autocross and you beat me in everything else i believe <laughs> Yeah, but did you get to take home a cone all the way from the course into the pits and then back home with you from the last Houston autocross event? No, that was pretty Wait. special. You're good at that. Wait, what? I, 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 uh, I'm not very good at autocross. And uh, <laughs> at the last run, I was really just aggressive because I was like, F it, you know, uh, rallycross, you got to like every single run counts. Autocross, like I only need one good run. At that point, I was just like, screw it. So I was really, really aggressive. I definitely hit some cones. I was coming off course and everyone was like looking at me and like kind of like, yeah, like, like cool, like, like nodding and like thumbs up and stuff. And I'm like, all right, that's weird. I got it out of the car. I had a cone just like wedged like right underneath the front of the car that I didn't hear. And I dragged it all the way out to the parking lot. It's kind of a far drive at the Houston Police Academy. So uh, I thought I was had finally done a good job in autocross. And it, it, it ends up everyone was just congratulating my, my great big fail. <laughs> did did you I'm not sure if I told you from um, Midwest Festival a few weeks ago that I hit and dragged a cone from qualifying 
and brought it back into pits. That might have been a farther distance. You might have the uh, the cone drag record. I, I couldn't figure out what was smoking and came back into pits, and all of a sudden Becky's like, yeah, you've got a cone under the car. Cool, <laughs> cool. But anyway. hey, you, d- you didn't add any, well, you might have added some seconds, but in your uh, you weren't penalized for carrying that cone, I hope. I Probably not. So Brian, you and I did. Do you want to tell the 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 general story behind how I convinced you to do one lap, and how you got involved in that sh- those shenanigans? Because I feel like that was sort of the the move from um, playing with cars to doing more serious stuff. Although you'd done track days prior to that, but you want to walk us through. Basically, we finished Rallycross Nationals. You won a national championship, and you said, what now, right? Yeah, I think that was that was basically it, and I remember exactly where you asked me. It was at the Rally Ranch uh, here in Austin, and uh, you had just flown back from one lap to... Were you safety stewarding the? I was rally safety stewarding a rally, a rally sprint. S- yep. Stage rally sprint. Yeah, and uh, I remember you like I I was I was at that point where I was just like, I was looking for new things to do with the car, and it, it was just kind of like obvious. It was so obvious, but I didn't hit me until you approached me and asked me at that rally event you should do one lap because I was familiar with one lap before um, my dad's friend, Howard Lefevre, who is a, a living legend of one lap. Uh, he would always come over to my parents' house and he always had stickers all over his car. And I never really thought much of it as a younger kid. And then when Seth's like, you should do one lap. I was just like, Oh, duh. Like that's perfect for this car. I had never done any time trial in the car whatsoever, but I'm like, why not go do it around the country? I'm good at road tripping. Even if I suck at the time trial part, it'll still be fun. <laughs> so had you done any track days at that point? I had done some track days, but I was definitely still learning. Um, definitely still somewhat, I guess, I don't know, I just don't consider myself I don't know where I am on my skill level. Maybe I'm intermediate now, but I was definitely still green at that point. So (laughs) yeah, I was, I know, I know Scott kind of had the same situation. I was actually wondering before I listened to the podcast today, what your background was, because I've seen you grow as a driver immensely uh, over the past couple of years. And I don't think I was as green as Scott was coming into one lap, but I was definitely still somewhat new. Yeah, this adult decisions were made. I <laughs> may not have been the uh I I had my required track time to <laughs> participate in the one lap and that was about it. Check the boxes. You're in. So what do you had a very what, safe car? What was your overall impression of of our of the first one lap we did together? That would have been my third event and it was your first. What did you come away from one lap thinking? Well, I'll tell you, boy, was it a lot different than uh, this last one uh, with my dad and Corvette. The first one was with Seth in my very, very stock Civic. And uh, I just came away thinking that I hope my gut recovers from 
this week of absolute <laughs> fast food just total disgusting diet i hope my body i couldn't tell if when we got back if i was so tired for the week after because of the lack of sleep or because seth made me eat mcdonald's and burger king like three times a day i i, I wasn't sure and i tried to make it healthy i tried to do like the atkins thing and i don't think that helped at all <laughs> no no it didn't it was pretty spectacular i think we did didn't we we hit like th- 13 separate uh, fast food chains in that week. Something, some ridiculous number. We were finally like, an A&W, we'll go there because we haven't gone to an A&W yet. And we we hit all of them. It was pretty fantastic. I don't know. Uh, you and I have, have different ideas about how awesome that was, I think. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. And I do look at it as an accomplishment. I have vegan friends uh, that... I might not be my friend anymore on Instagram because I posted all of them in a single post. <laughs> but uh, I was, I'll never forget that. And I did take a picture of the car in front of every single one uh, as proof. So uh, nice. it, was, it was good times either way. So we got done with the first year and on well, our way. Hold on. Slow down. Slow down. No, what fir- happened? Like almost nothing what happened, happened on the first gateway? year. What no, that was no, no, no. Gateway? That was that was the second year. We're building up to that. <laughs> We're building up to that. Oh, that first was year the was, second year. Yeah, first year was basically uneventful. We we went. We drove. the The Civic I'm was. Jumping ahead. You are jumping ahead. You're ruining it, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on the way home, we actually uh, we didn't hate each other. I don't think. Maybe a little bit, but that's kind of a, a, a rite of passage to hate your co-driver. We decided to do it again, except you wanted to go faster, right? Don't we all? Not really. <laughs> no, I don't want to go faster. Brian wanted to go faster. Yeah, being I'm... the last car to leave the track was lonely and, and sad. It's a sad place <laughs> when everyone else is gone. I didn't enjoy that very much. So you made the car faster, basically with suspension and uh, all the tire and the half cage. Yeah, it had 275 square, which to that point, uh, people thought was impossible on on the Civic, right? Didn't isn't that what everybody they, told us? They still do. Every time I talk to someone about this, they're they're in disbelief. They're like. Man, that's I still can't like the, like I tell them everything else I've done to the car, and like go over every modification or whatever. And it's like I still can't believe you fit two seventy fives in there, by not by not cutting your fenders. That's still the most that's that's the biggest wow about my car. That says anything about my car. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to tell the story of what happened like the second year? So we have a faster car. Um, we have a, a race seat in it. We have a half cage. Um, all the tire and uh, what what's the interesting part of the second year? You met well, me. Yeah, I was gonna say the reason Scott doesn't remember the first year is because he wasn't there, and True. I was telling him and Becky, I'm like, man, it would have been cool to be at the back of the pack with you that first year because we've just never matched up as far as our cars or driving abilities and being around each We're, other in, in one are, lap. Are you saying are you saying you were faster than I was? 
Oh, the car was a little faster yeah, than were, the first you year. You were way faster. <laughs> <laughs> Both years, way faster. But what I was saying to Becky, now I can't, you know, now I can't catch you in GLTC. So, you know, it's like we just missed uh, that good, that good first year where we were around the same ability. Uh, I don't know, man. Your your car is not quite optimized for GLTC. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to be long before you're uh, you're coming for me. As long as it's raining, I've got I've got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but to go back and answer your question, um, so yeah, 2017, pretty uneventful. 2018, we had a little bit of a hiccup on the way there, which Scott and I just went through a similar scenario about sucking up water into uh, the intake. So we had a scare on the way there, but luckily that wasn't big. The big part was on the second event, the second day at Gateway Motorsports Park, in St. Louis, the Roval. And I told this story in the One Lap of America yearbook. We both told our sides. But basically, because we were so slow the first year, I was like, I remember the, the thing I do remember about the first year is Seth nailing the rev limiter all the way down. <laughs> is it turn 12 at Road Atlanta? Whatever the last the last hill is coming down after that yeah, blind hill. Road. I just remember, I'm like, and he comes off track and I'm like, dude, what were you doing to my car? Like shift. He's like, I was too scared. <laughs> so he's like, that wall comes up so fast. And I was like, shift the damn car. Like, what? You, like, come on, man. So the second year I was like, all right, man, like you're a good driver. You've shown me that you can drive. You just drive with caution. And I understand, like, it's someone else's car. Like, I, I understand driving. But I was like, there are times when you can just really hit it. So he interpreted that however he wanted to. <laughs> I think he interpreted that that as take huge risks and not go faster and fast parts and, you know, stay slower in slow parts. And uh, all I remember is... Pastrana was out there. He went by. There was this beautiful red um, NSX with two crazy Canadians in it. They went by. Yep. And both those guys are pretty fast. And then Seth goes by. And Seth, this is the first turn. It's coming off the main straight, turning into the infield. Huge those guys bump. are pretty fast. Yeah, huge, huge bump. bump, huge transition. Seth looked way faster than those guys. And I was like okay he's hitting it i'm like he's really going for it but i was like that doesn't seem like maybe the best part to be faster so i go i turn i look around to see the two other cars come out the other side of the track and seth doesn't emerge and all of a sudden i see the red flag and i see the ambulance go out and i just had a huge sinking feeling and Honest to God truth, I give Seth crap about this all the time. My heart sunk because I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he got hurt. Like, when I saw the ambulance, I didn't know, like, that was protocol or whatever. I guess that's what's supposed to happen. But I just saw the ambulance, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he crashed and got really hurt. And then all of a sudden, I, I hear a familiar noise of my crappy exhaust, annoying car, it merges from behind where there's this building blocking everything. I, I didn't see anything. I had no idea what happened except Tim saying, Hey, I think Seth crashed. And, uh, I see the car coming out. Doesn't have a bumper, 
but it's driving. And I was like, thank God, like Seth's okay. And I was like, oh, wow, the car's okay. That means maybe we can still like continue on. And, uh, yeah, Seth, uh, Seth was all right. And, uh, he hasn't heard the end of this. Every opportunity I, I can give him crap about this uh, is uh, is an opportunity I take. You drive your What'd friend's you do, car Seth? into the wall one time, never let you forget it. Just everybody remember that. But I remember the two of you really complaining and really just very sad that your AC wasn't going to be working that day. And I remember just feeling really sorry for the two of you, <laughs> except not at all, because screw you guys and your air conditioning. So the, the fun part of that was, so, okay, so my side of the story being the person in the car, um, the, the Roval at, uh, in St. Louis is conceptually a little bit like um, Texas World Speedway in that it's a roval so you come off the the fast part of the track and you turn in and so my brain went cool i know how to do this i've driven this roval before i know i can come off the track like you can basically come off the track flat and as soon as the car settles you hit the brakes and then you turn in uh which you can come off the track flat 100 percent but the problem is you don't actually have enough time to hit the brakes and scrub enough speed before you have to turn in. And that became super apparent to me while I was on the brakes trying to slow the car down and turn in. And so it, I just ran out of room. So the car turned and I hit the grass and the car spun and I tapped the wall and thought I killed Brian's car and felt super bad. And then it started up and I drove back. And... Um, the only real damage to the car, well, no, that's not true. There was a few dents in the car, but th those are mostly fixed now. Um, the only real significant that's damage available. for the rest, <laughs> the only significant damage for the rest of the week was that the the AC compressor or the AC condenser on the front of the car was broken, um, had been had gotten a hole in it. So, we actually, um, with the help of a, a friend, uh, John Welsh, who was on the trip with us, um, we I. Well, Brian was getting ready to do his afternoon sessions. Um, we called around to parts stores in East St. Louis, which is uh, an, an auto parts mecca, super, super safe, super friendly part of the country to go shopping. Um, if you're ever in East St. Louis, um, ignore all the bars on the windows. Those don't mean anything. And so because Brian was smart and drove a Civic, of course, the parts were available. So we actually, uh, during the afternoon session, drove out of the track, bought a new AC condenser, uh, threw it in the back seat of the car, and then the next day at the track in Colorado? Was that the next day? Hallett, Oklahoma. Hallett. Oh, Hallett. Okay, so we were at Hallett the next day. So in the parking lot at Hallett the next day, we replaced the, the AC condenser, recharged it and we got our ac back and uh i was sure to tell scott because i was at, at that point i figured he was deeply concerned about our health and well-being not having ac so i did i did go up to him and and tell him that that our ac was back and he didn't need to worry about us anymore and that seemed to put him at ease for, for the rest of the week <laughs> you, you i think you mispronounced uh disgruntled but um yes Yes, I was glad. Glad for you guys. I've seen Scott's warm up 
before GLTC races, I can assure you that him being at peace with the fact that we had AC, I bet you that took a few seconds off his lap times for the rest of the week at one lap. <laughs> Just knowing that in his brain as he's going out on track, I'm sure it had a huge effect. Anything that calms me down, baby. <laughs> so, so one lap and then the next year you ditch Seth uh, but for your dad which I I personally just think is cool um, you know my my father and I were supposed to do the one lap in 2000 and uh, I'm gonna get this wrong I want to say 2002 um, in one of the country's first neon SRT fours um, and we uh Chrysler didn't get us the car in time, so we had to scrub that. And he died, you know, a few years ago, so he and I weren't able to do it. So anytime anybody does the one lap with their dad, kind of gives me the warm fuzzies. But um, yeah, you and your dad took his Corvette out last year. Yeah, well, the story behind that is when Seth said you should do one lap, he said. But not with me, with your dad. He's like, you need to do this with your dad. He's like, it's a bonding experience. And uh, that's that, that's just the way you should go about it. So I asked my dad, and he's like, he's like, I've heard the stories from Howard. He's like, you guys are crazy. He's like, you're, you're literally like crazy. He's like, I would never consider doing that. <laughs> well, there's lots of stories about Howard, but... Uh, yeah, Howard's Howard's the life of the party on one lap. So my dad, all my dad's knowledge of one lap has come from Howard, who is the last guy to go to bed and the first one to set up the bar at the hotel every night. So it was a little skewed. So I did. So he said no, and I did two one laps, and uh, with Seth, and Seth. As soon as I asked Seth, of course Seth was ready to go and and take my dad's spot. But to his credit. By the third year, my dad had seen how much fun Seth and I were having and that I was having fun with Howard and the whole rest of the circus. He finally came around and decided to uh, to participate. So um, I don't think I asked him. I don't know if we ever talked about taking my Civic. <laughs> he has a, a C6 Corvette, and I think it was just kind of a, a natural decision there without much discussion that we were going to take that. So not only get, did I finally get to drive a fast car I've driven very very few high horsepower cars on track um but I I got to do it with my dad and that was just like the best bonding experience like I'm there's a lot of cool things you can do with your parents but I, it's I, it's hard to think of anything that is as good as as a week on the road and at racetracks with uh with your parents it's pretty pretty awesome thing to to do Is that something, like, were you and your dad into cars when you were growing up? Like, is that something, kind of a natural extension of both of your interests? Yeah, so he, I definitely got the bug from him. He uh, he always had cool cars growing up, and we spent time every single fall going to Watkins Glen. I grew up in Syracuse, and uh, we went to Watkins Glen for the vintage races, every every single fall so uh 
and you know we'd watch races together at home we'd watch the indy 500 every single year and i had seen him do track days and uh i finally got uh, a car that was capable of being on track the civic that i have now and uh he had an rx7 at the time and he he uh his he was having brake problems or something and he's like, hey, he's like, I can't get a refund back for this track day at Watkins Glen. Do you, I know your car's new, but do you want to take it out and uh, and drive it there? I'm like, heck yeah. So uh, that's what got me uh, uh, going down the whole rabbit hole of everything. But yeah, it was definitely him and his interests and uh, his his passion for all of it. How'd that week go for the two of you? Like, were you guys, you know, because... I know there there are some family members that we've got, you know, you've got your 48-hour time limit for, and you've got your your family members who you can talk about this one thing, and that's about it. Um, but, you know, you and your dad were stuck in very close proximity for well over eight days. Um, and with the... Uh, drive from texas i would imagine probably closer to five thousand miles like how how'd that go for you surprisingly well i had the same concerns and i thought you know it's funny you you grow up your whole life with parents you know restricting you and on one lap uh there's it's kind of i won't say there's a lack of restrictions but it's uh it's a very it's an event of, of freedom and enjoyment. And, uh, I think, I think the biggest, we never really had an argument. I think the biggest, uh, heavy discussion we had was, was, uh, bringing the car into, uh, gas stations and going over railroad tracks and other low crossings that in my civic, <laughs> I would just fly over and get air, uh, him requesting that I take these embankments at, angles and watch the underside of the car uh, rightly so it was something i was not used to um and we have some very rough roads in this country especially leaving hastings uh was an absolute i don't want to swear a crappy road um to put it lightly and we did experience two and two separate uh holes in the, in the windshield that we stickered up and got us through the week so uh mm-hmm. That was the cause for concern uh, there. But, yeah, besides that, that was, uh, yeah, just the treatment of, of the car. He didn't say anything about my, my driving on track, luckily. It was just the transits that were a hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like, oh, so the other thing when I've talked to your dad, because that's the fun thing, is your dad, well, so now your your dad and I have this bond where we've both done one lap with you and we, we talk crap about you when you're not around. And so I've spent a bunch of time talking to him, and he says the one thing he hates the most about the silly things you do is you playing with motorcycles. Um, it I don't know if you know how much it, it bugs him, but he feels like it's super dangerous and inappropriate, and he blames himself because he did motocross for a super long time, right? Yeah, he was way more into the motocross competitively than anything he's ever done in a car, actually. And so what do you do? What's your, and Scott's going to, I'm just going to totally derail this, Scott, because Brian and I play with bikes now with each other. So what are no, you doing please. with bikes now? <laughs> and what sort of what sort of, what sort of bike shenanigans are you getting into 
in the last little while? Because you don't just race cars, you race motorcycles as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I wasn't sure if it was called wheel-to-wheel, but I heard you use wheel-to-wheel motorcycles, which it is earlier in one of the earlier podcasts. So I did wheel-to-wheel motorcycles before I did wheel-to-wheel cars. I had racing experience in motorcycles before cars. But um, I, I, I've really just done supermotos. I've always loved supermotos just because it's like on-road and off-road. You know, it's like it's the car stuff. I like rallycross. I like track days. So um, the supermoto is both of those in a, in a single track in a single event, which is just awesome. And I just love the way they look. And I love dirt bikes, but supermotos are just so much cooler. So That um, should be a I've, GLTC event in the future do a gltc supermoto yes oh my god that'd be amazing (laughs) full proper rally cross (laughs) oh that would be so awesome but uh yeah i've done that for for a a few years now just to build a bike and and go race it just for the pure enjoyment and i this summer i spent my summer first doing bike stuff around the country and then doing car stuff and uh i i I, i'm kind of like after this year i'm I'm putting the bike stuff a little bit more on the back burner to focus on building the car which my dad is listening to this soon i didn't tell him i was coming on here so we'll see if he notices but i'm focusing on on building the glt c civic i still want to ride motorcycles but i I just like i went through an experience this summer where i realized that i have a bike that is just so much faster than I'll ever be as a rider. And I have a car that I'm fairly quick in that I need to improve uh, to go faster. I have the ability to improve the car to make me a faster driver. I don't know if, I, if that's the right way of saying that. But basically, like when I get on a bike, I just, there's so much more bike than rider, and I don't see that changing. Whereas I, driving, I see. Uh, a lot more potential there for myself is I guess what I'm getting at but there's nothing more fun than sliding sideways in the dirt in the mud on slicks on a supermoto bike that's always the the biggest like what you go in the dirt with those tires yeah that's the whole point of supermoto so it's 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 a good time so I'm I'm curious about that thought um, that you shared was is you're you're a little less interested now because you have this bike that is faster than you are and you are have this civic that you are getting better prepared for gltc that you feel like you need to improve to catch up with you so what why is the civic the thing and wheel-to-wheel car racing the thing that's attractive to you versus a bike that's better than you what's do, do you know what i'm asking like what why that path and not the other you know i think the what you just mentioned what i just said like i think that's part of it but i think the other part of it that i realize is like the community is a huge aspect not just like competitors making you get better uh just the overall like friendliness and just support and and just shooting the crap with with other people 
and just the, the, the passion with, with supermoto. And unfortunately it's just not big. There's no tracks in Texas. I have to go to Oklahoma to race and it's good. I love all the guys I race with up there, but the community, like I, I just, I went to a few events and I was just by myself and I went around the country with GLTC. I showed up and you were there and there was other, a bunch of other people I knew. And it was just that, that community of having other people who, you know, are going to be at these events and who not holding you accountable, but you know, like you feel like you need to perform a little bit better or like you should be constantly improving and looking forward to making modifications and, and getting better as a driver at, at these grid life events versus the supermoto world, or at least the one I'm in is I just, I, that, that community isn't there. And the gap for me to be competitive is a lot bigger and I would involve going back to what Seth was saying about my dad. I don't want to say well, it would involve more bodily risk, but it would involve riding much harder to be competitive. Um, so the incentive with cars is there's a cage around you and uh, I can I can really push it without hopefully getting my body into as much harm as I can on a motorcycle. But yeah, I just I just see the I see the gap to better results smaller with cars than motorcycles, I guess. Hmm. I I agree your 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 super motorbike is horrifying. Um <laughs> I've I've watched you ride that at the kart track when you've come and ridden with us and the the difference between the bikes I ride which have uh about eight and a half horsepower and your bike which has 45-ish, 48-ish, something like that. Um, the the difference in in how those bikes ride is just utterly terrifying. Um, so I am I am scared of your motorcycle, and uh, I don't want to ride it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the problem is I I didn't do with motorcycles what I did with cars. With cars, I'm still driving the same crappy slow Civic. And just trying to push it as far as I can and push my driving ability with motorcycles. I started with the absolute top, you know, like the guys who buy a Porsche or a Ferrari and go out to the track. That's what I feel like I did with the motorcycle. And I feel like that's part of the problem. I should be doing what you're doing with the minis. Like, I love the minis. That's where I should have started. And maybe I would have been thinking differently about all this had I started with the minis. That probably would have been a better way to go. Well, there's still an open invite for you to come endurance race with us when our schedules uh, match up, we'll put you on, we'll put you on the Grom or something and uh, send you out there for, for long stints. It'll be fun. So you, you still have an opportunity to step back to something slow and crappy and play with it uh, in time and see, Perfect. <laughs> see if you like it or not. <laughs> I do. And that's the other, to follow up on Scott's question, that's the other reason is too many, too many activities. Supermoto is way, way, way cheaper than anything in a car, but way too many activities. Uh, I've, I just, I, one summer I do want to do as many as I can, like do a, a motorcycle race, do a mini GP, do a go-kart race, like do everything in one summer or one year. That'd be cool. <laughs> But I just want to—I want to actually hone in and get good a little bit better at something versus just trying to do everything as well. So that's another reason. Hmm. So what's, I do just, what's the what's the reward there, or what's the? 
I'm just I'm just interested in, in that distinction. Like instead of trying to do a little bit of everything, focusing in on one thing and trying to do it, you know, trying to crone, hone the craft a little bit more. Why does why does that seem to draw you in? It just focuses you on the little things. Honestly, like I I I kind of. I don't want to say I don't put in the effort or the time, but I had a huge reservation about actually making like my car, like after it was put into a wall by someone uh, in St. Louis, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to make that car nice ever again. Like I don't, I don't need to put an air dam on and under, I don't need, I don't need to worry about a spoiler. Like I'm just going to drive it and be happy with it. And after my first two or three races in GLTC, I quickly realized that half of at least wheel to wheel racing with tight restrictions is half of the game is building that car and making those adjustments and getting into the engineering side of your build. It's about the build. It's not just about the driving. Um, so that's uh that's what interests me is getting into the a little more into the nitty gritty and i i told myself i i just wasn't interested in all that stuff i was just like i don't need to do it you know that's that's for the good guys and now i'm actually interested enough with help to uh to start making those modifications i'm still i don't want to get rid of my radio and my air conditioning and you know go that far that's just crazy talk (laughs) yeah that's nuts (laughs) Well, and your car, too, is, I mean, as much as I'm known, Becky and I are known for driving the car to the tracks we go to, uh, you do that, too, and you have a one of the best dogs in the history of dogs who comes with you and sits in the floor pan on his little dog bed. I've seen pictures of you and the dog sleeping in the race car <laughs> overnight. <laughs> yep. Yeah, th- <laughs> that's 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 a thing. I won't I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. I think my neck is still sore. I think it's still the knots are still being worked out from that night, but uh We've done it. I can say I can say we've done it. I actually fell asleep in a racing seat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I can barely sleep in a car, period. But yeah, you you've taken this car all over the place. You've driven it across the country, competed in wheel-to-wheel stuff, camped in it, used it as a hauler for months, and it used to be a rally car. I'm your. I'm trying to like take take the fifty thousand foot view of this whole thing, and you've done rallycross, you've done autocross, you've done HPD, you've done the one lap, you've done wheel to wheel, you've done all sorts of motorcycle things, and you seem to love the road trip that you that you mentioned, and seemingly you know, visiting places, experiencing different things. Um, how, how do those two things you think interact with you? Um, I mean, would you say that you're, 
I don't want to say an experienced junkie, but I'm not quite sure how to how to phrase that. But how how does that side of you and the whole racing aspect cross over? Yeah, it's a good question because um, I, I I had done Watkins Glen, but then there was like a large gap before my next track event before I moved to Texas, and during that time. I was taking some crazy road trips. I went around the country. I did uh, like a 12,000 mile, two month road trip starting and ending in New York. And then once I moved to Texas, I did uh, all the way up to New York and did route 66 and back to Texas. And I just spent a lot of time in the car. And that has always been a passion before I owned the car was road trips and the adventure and the exploration part of that. So when I did one lap and it combined the racing aspect with the road trip to take away the road trip part of it was kind of taking away the fun. And obviously there's a huge risk and I heard you guys get into it a little bit in one of the previous podcasts, but that is part of the experience for me is driving your race car to the track and racing and then going home like to take away the the driving part the road trip part even if it's trailered um it just that's that's part of it for me and like you said like i like exploring the places i go to i like taking the back roads um i like camping and 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 you know just kind of taking the untraditional approach to uh your normal interstate drive so uh, I think that's what keeps me doing both is uh, is the full experience. Yeah, so the one lap is almost like the perfect apex of <laughs> of experience and racing for you. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I it was it seems so obvious, and it wasn't until Seth physically said it to my face that I was like, oh, you're right, duh. That's it. <laughs> it was obvious to so me it, that that's what you should do next. So, so is it is it a little bit of the like is the I don't want to say, even say the danger, but the the unexpected aspect of it, and kind of the potential for things to go wrong. Is that part of like what? makes it alluring for you because you said you know driving your race car to the track is not the smartest thing ever yes i mean we we certainly know and can appreciate that um but it seems like that's almost part of what gets you out of bed in the morning is yeah this might this might go belly up um i don't know we'll see (laughs) yeah it's uh it's yeah, it's definitely not the smartest thing. Uh, but in my case, I have a 1994 Nissan pickup and a tow dolly. So with what I currently own, it's actually a better idea for me to take one vehicle that could break instead of two potential vehicles and a tow dolly <laughs> that could break down. <laughs> it's actually a better scenario for me to just bring one car. Um, but yeah, I will. I will say I, I. It's not my incentive because a lot can go wrong. But 
I just was like, ah, oh, you know, I have a Honda. It's it's reliable. It's always has. It's that comfort that it always has been reliable, and it's always been the vehicle that I've I've just driven so far. So it doesn't seem like a risk. It doesn't seem too like much of a stretch to me uh, to drive it to to the track and back wherever, even if that's across the country and back, just because it's something I've always done. Well, expanding on that, what could go wrong? How would uh, how would you describe yourself as a mechanic, Brian? I am in training. I am uh, <laughs> this, up and coming. This feels like a leading am, question, Your Honor. It's a little I bit of a loaded question. I want to see how Brian handles this. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. What would you say? Um, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I've shown promise, and uh, I. Uh, I have the ability to learn. Uh, really I would good. agree with that. I can, yeah, I can, I can learn things. <laughs> so I can, I know what a wrench is. Yes. Um, I was there when you did your first oil change. Yeah, uh, if I recall correctly, you did it in my garage. Oh gosh, was that the mm-hmm. RSX or the Civic? That was the Civic. When we were preparing, you drove over to prep the Civic for the first one lap that we did together. And we were changing the oil, and you looked at me and you go, "This is the first time I've ever changed my own oil." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Awesome! This is going to be great." <laughs> <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a first time for everything. That is, that is something that came along much later in in life. You know, that's, that's, uh-huh. uh, you know, I just did spark plugs for the first time in my truck before I left on the road trip this summer, so that was a first as well. What? <laughs> <laughs> yep, never done those. I'm also bad at, at re- replacing things like you would think for someone who travels so far. I'd be, and I'm getting better. At least I'm being ca- I'm being aware of the things that need to happen much much better than I used to. Although I realize that. I think I went 150,000 miles without changing the clutch fluid. I'm pretty sure on the Civic. Seth That's fine. For that, had he known that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the good thing is you're not, it's not that you don't do mechanic stuff because you're afraid of it. Um, of all the mechanic stuff I've done with you, you've never been afraid to dive in. You just haven't needed to because the, the original car that you chose, that, that Civic really didn't need much of anything um, for the majority of the time that you've owned it, although right now it is getting a a fairly significant thing done to it. Um, You want to tell us about the story that that, uh, it's recovering from right now? Yeah, so funny story about tying everything together that we were just talking about. Um, So I think, yeah, before this incident, the the biggest thing I ever had to do was change the clutch out at 100,000 miles. Other than that, like nothing, just brakes. Like I've never had to do anything major on this car. And uh, I went to, to GLTC. I did uh, Road America and Gingerman. And in race number three at Gingerman, I came off track and I heard a clunking sound. And uh, through some diagnosis in the pits, we determined the transmission was starting to go. But I might be able to make it home, maybe, if it wasn't too bad. So... My friends, uh, Nick and Chris, uh, they were running the time attack, uh, check out Nick Kors' Civic. He's got a insane Civic that if I had gone the time attack route, I would have done exactly what he did. But 
they were like, hey, you know, can bring this over to, to Pennsylvania. We'll swap it out, you know, in like a week and send you on your way. But I was like, I think I think I'm going to try. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm just going to leave. It was like nine o'clock on Saturday yep. of, of, of Midwest Fest. And I was like, I think I'm just going to give it a try and just drive it like a baby. So I left and I got a few hours in down to Illinois and that little clunking noise was kind of a thump or a real much louder noise at that point. And I was like, all right, this is getting bad. So I had pulled off to the side of the road. All right, I pulled off on the, off the highway and I was driving around this old abandoned hotel and all of a sudden it got really bad, like car jerking angry bad <laughs> evil noises that haunt my dreams forever yeah so i quickly whipped it around and threw it back into the parking lot turned it off turned it back on went to put it in gear and no gears whatsoever nothing every gear is neutral and i was like all right um this is it this is that moment that I have I've considered it's always been in my head, but I've never fully fleshed out what I'm going to do in this moment. <laughs> I had some rough ideas of, you know, I'm like, ah, call a truck, tow truck, get to a repair shop or, you know, fix it. And yeah, as we know, fixing it wasn't an option. <laughs> I was really wanting to get home. I had been out all summer long and this is October by this point. I'm like, I just really want to get home. And, uh, I'm like, I could get it towed. I got a quote from Geico to tow it back to Texas. I want to say it was $10,000 or something <laughs> oh like that. My God. It was like twice the, yeah, the value of the car, something ridiculous. So then I'm like, okay, so I'm either stuck in this little town in Illinois, and I don't know if there is a mechanic around here who have the parts. I'm like, I'm sure there's a Honda dealership somewhere. Or I get a U-Haul or some way to tow it. So I went on to the U-Haul website and booked a U-Haul. It was just down the road. That night, I slept in the car, as we were talking about, with the dog. And it was really, really cold. And it was a good thing I ordered that extra blanket that I had sent to Scott's house because I didn't realize how cold Midwest Fest was going to be because that <laughs> kept me and the dog warm mm -hmm. in the car that night. And I got a tow uh, down to the U-Haul, and I said I was moving to Texas on the U-Haul form. And I got a <laughs> nice little box truck, and they were out of tow dollies, so they upgraded me to the, the trailer for, for free. Nice. But, yeah, I'm kind of, after that whole experience, it ended up actually being a kind of a cool and a good experience. The guy who towed me bought me breakfast. He gave me a little tour of the Air Force Base that was there. And it was just like, we came across some really nice, cool people that I wouldn't have if I hadn't broke down. And um, now that that's out of the way, talking about like the fear and the risk and everything, like now that that's happened and I know what to do, it's like I am even more incentivized to, to keep <laughs> driving my car to the events um, because I kind of had a thought. And I heard Scott talking about it on one of the other podcasts of like, all right, you know, it's getting time to, to trailer it. And, you know, it's getting time to make that decision. And after this experience, I'm like, at least for the next season, I think I'm still going to drive it since I just know what happens now. There's no question mark. There's no fear anymore. It's like, all right, if 
and when I break down again, uh, the next thing to go would be the engine or, you know, a collision on track or something like that. Um, it's like, now I know how to handle it. And I, I, the lesson I learned is I could have stayed and partied with all the cool kids, you know, at, at grid life on Saturday night and had the U-Haul brought to the track or picked them up and brought it there. But yeah. So that, that's interesting. The, it was the thought or the fear of the potential of something bad happening that was far worse than the reality that you actually experienced in your car breaking. Totally. Yeah. The reality was not nearly as bad as the fear for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. I I remember you telling me after you made it back down to Texas and everything that, well, that wasn't so bad. I should have just raced the next race and if it broke, it broke. And yeah, I would have figured it out. Yeah, everyone was saying that race four was possibly the best one and that four was even a different condition than the first three. And I was like, well, shoot, I missed out for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of fantastic. The fact that you you now it's almost freeing to have broken your car um, in that context. And for what it's worth, when I was sitting against the wall waiting for the ambulance to show up in in St. Louis that one time, um, I was also trying, I was in my head, I was trying to do the math for towing the car back to Texas and then picking up my Accord and finishing one lap in the Accord. And I figured in, in that, in that like two minute time period between when I hit the wall and when the safety guy showed up, I figured out we would only miss one event by having to do that. And we could have been back. So I, I know exactly what you mean when you're, you're trying to, to calculate all the possibilities and um and now i now you have the experience with that so now i'm definitely not worried about crashing your car ever again so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) just drive faster now Uh, yeah just drive faster you did tell me before that event you told me you told me i was feeling bad about myself um just uh at not being fast and you told me not to suck so much so i tried not to suck so much and ended up sucking more. So that's uh, track driving. It's so much fun. It's the thought of not sucking that counts. Yeah, yeah I, I tried not to suck. So that's that's really the important thing. <laughs> that that meant that meant more to me, you know, than than having to deal with the, the crash cards. Like, yeah, he actually listened. He actually tried to go faster. That's all that matters. <laughs> now, Brian, You're a fantastic you fantastic you seem to be like one of the more smiley, pleasant people I've ever met in racing. And you broke your car and it didn't seem to phase you that much. And I know you certainly have moments. And I, I think one of the things that informed me a little bit about you as a person and as a driver was before, I think, our first Road America race with GLTC you were up against the the fence next to the front straight uh in front of where we were paddocked I went up and just want to check in see how you're feeling this so what's your uh what's your race start strategy what are you uh where are you planning you're like oh yeah I I don't know never thought about it I guess I guess I should start doing that (laughs) (laughs) and just 
like the purity of just I don't know. We'll just kind of see how it goes. I mean that that kind of <laughs> seems to be your whole the, the cut of your jib. Um, <laughs> where where does that levity come from? Because I want some of it. <laughs> well, I, I I've seen you after every race in the last few months and i see how serious you take it and how how much it weighs on you and i i i can't say i won't be like that someday but i i kind of came into you don't you don't want to be like that someday (laughs) i took a step backwards in that regard this year (laughs) well I feel like it was justified and I feel like that's probably the way most drivers are. I came into, I guess, motorsports, but especially one lap and especially GLTC. I came into GLTC with a one lap mentality of I'm here to have fun and I'm here to learn, but I'm here to have fun and go home with uh, stories and experiences and hopefully being 68% satisfied with my driving. So <laughs> if I'm mostly happy with my driving, like three out of the four races are, are good or decent, then that's, that's kind of just the mentality I'm coming, coming in with. I'm doing it, doing it for the experience. And that goes back to the driving to the track and back. Like that's part of the, checking it off and successful weekend. So yeah, I, I, I'm, and I'm sure this is, this will change. And like, this is a new thing for me actually taking an event more seriously as to give more time to it versus trying to do everything. And I'm sure that'll change, but I, I, I take it like I take my approach to race car building where it's, there's still a radio, there's still air conditioning and I'm still, not serious enough to want to be that super, super, super critical driver and, uh, and just get super serious. I want to have fun. Fun is the number one, number one thing at the end of the day. So, um, I kind of enjoy just being not naive, but just, just having fun and making sure that that's my goal, I guess. Have you always been like that? Like I, it, like maybe sure maybe as a kid, but like, do you handle your job the same way? Uh, your relationships, like how, how does that bleed over into your real life? Yeah, I would say it definitely blends in to the job of just having a good attitude, like especially like I'm a project manager and you face situations where literally everything blows up and all you can do is sit back and kind of laugh about it. And, uh, I, I, I definitely have that, that same mentality with, with racing. It's like, you know, sometimes all the odds are stacked against you and all you can do is just, is just laugh. And another aspect of it, I would say the one time I became serious about winning something was rally cross. Um, when Seth and I went to Nebraska that one year and the amount of focus and mental 
stamina and determination it takes to be the best and to win it's not a turnoff to me it's just i never want that i want to be inspired to win i want to do good but i never want that to outweigh the reason i'm doing this in the in the first place and that's to to have fun because i've just never been incentivized to be super competitive um because it just requires a completely different mindset than going in and having fun, in my opinion. I remember after that event um, discussing if you wanted to do it again, and you and you sort of said something along the lines of to be to to work that hard to achieve exactly the same thing didn't have any appeal to you. You you'd already gone there and you you tried hard and you'd won and to do that again, you weren't, you weren't breaking any new ground. And so you didn't want to do it again. Um, and it took me a while to wrap my head around that. I was like, you could be a repeat national champion. You're like, yeah, I don't want to. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, you know, I, I had dedicated my time and focus and I had, I had won. I like checked off the winning part of it and did all the prerequisites to get there. It's like, all right, I stuck to something long enough and put in enough time and effort and was successful. And now I would rather just go out and enjoy and have fun. <laughs> it very much makes you worth hanging out with. So that's one of the reasons I, I keep calling you and being like, Hey Brian, we should go do something else. So, um, yeah. And there's, there's a, there's certainly a, a part of the, the group of us that are, that are a decade older than you and very happily married that go, I wonder if maybe if I had stayed single, if I would be like Brian and I would just race all the things all the time. (laughs) (laughs) The case for being single. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely would not have be my, have my hand in so many different, uh, uh, areas of, of racing. Had I had a, kid or be in a relationship i'm sure unless if you're one of those lucky guys who your your girlfriend's out there doing it doing it with you that looks like a pretty awesome setup as well it uh takes its toll too and (laughs) 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 yeah well interesting i guess i'm not even sure I, i feel like there's another question that i want to ask in there but i just i'm not sure what it is you you always have to ask that question and not like i'm I'm like okay how can i say this and not have my wife yell at me when she listens to this podcast so um (laughs) that's why i have to always mention i'm like and those of us who are super happily married to my wife just got to remember that very happily married not wishing i could be racing cars with brian all the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so after all these road trips and after all this racing are you glad to be home um like is that still a a place that you like to be or is that just the place that you kind of have to go in order to earn enough money and kind of recharge the batteries so that you can go out like is is home the jumping off place or is home the place that you need to go to um 
to become fulfilled. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I definitely asked myself this question and changed my answer based on the day and the time and the current uh, world environment. And I would say, you know, at the beginning of the summer when everything was, was going down the tubes and to have something to look forward to, to have Midwest Fest, like was the one thing that wasn't canceled. It was scheduled for June, but it got postponed to um, October. And to have that to look forward to, like, and getting away from home, I really needed to get out after everything that was going on. Like I just needed to travel and, you know, travel. Uh, there was worry for me, like, and I'm sure a lot of people that was kind of frowned upon and uh, I didn't want want to do it, but I had planned to take this whole summer and go to Alaska on my motorcycle. So I was like, I got to get out. I got to do something. So the beginning of the summer was absolutely yes. I was like, I need to get away. And I turned the road trips into also track events, both motorcycle and car. And just having that, having those track days to look forward to, um, that really put my mind at ease, like just having, having that. And then it took all summer into the fall for me to look forward to going back home. Cause I was here real briefly to switch from motorcycle and truck to car. And I still didn't really feel like I wanted to be here. <laughs> so it took months and months for me to want to be here. And now that I'm back, other than hopefully going to New Orleans this weekend for good life, I have no other travel plan. And I'm really looking forward to being home because that allows time uh, for Seth to help me out and for us to go to town on the Civic and get it ready for what is essentially my home race at Coda um, in March. So, um, yeah, it's it's just something that, that changes. But I feel like regardless of what's going on and me and timing, everything, it's like eventually you have to, like, travel. Like, I feel like I have to take a road trip, like a real road trip, like – if it's not just like a couple week road trip, it's like every few years, like I feel like I have to get away from home. And this summer was awesome being away from home for so long. And especially spending time with my parents, like was awesome. So, uh, it's something that I plan to do annually. Um, and luckily I'm able to work remote now with the current things that are going on. So, um, if that's always a possibility, then I would definitely love to travel more annually, at least a few months out of the year, get out of, Texas where it's a million degrees so nice that doesn't sound bad to me at all got that off season coming up Uh, Scott and I have mentioned uh, briefly the the differences uh, between off season in Texas and off season up north and the fact that if we don't want to take an off season down here it doesn't have to be you can just keep hammering all through the winter Um, so it sounds like you're sort of creating uh, an off season to recharge and uh, convince me to work on your car and and do those sorts of things. Yep, exactly. And the only reason it's an off season is because there's just no grid life races scheduled between next weekend and March. Otherwise, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I pick up some other uh, race series, then 
then yeah, maybe we'll get the the rally car going or something. But yeah, now I want to focus on 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 this car and this series and actually buckle down a little bit. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you for hanging out and chatting with us. Uh, even though earlier today you didn't know that you were going to be doing this. Uh, appreciate, appreciate the flexibility. It's that, it's that up for anything, uh, thing that Brian's got going on that makes him, uh, so fun to hang out with. Where's, uh, where's, where's the furry boy? Is he, is he around? He's, he's so well behaved, but I, I purposely put him outside just in case if he was to make a disturbance, I did not want to ruin your professional podcast yeah, so perfect. he's, yes, he's trying to find out why he's not why he's locked outside right now yeah. professionals not the first thing i think of when i think of this podcast but thank you for that no i i, I love what you guys are doing and it's a pleasure uh pleasure that you asked me to be on here so yeah looking forward was there to any it. um any socials or anything uh, you want to talk about in terms of sharing links and things with the the peoples? Yeah, I actually, uh, after a summer away from social media, I, in one weekend, um, thanks to daylight savings time and not wanting to do anything on Halloween, I uploaded all my photos from my trips and the track event stuff in one night, <laughs> basically. Yes. Uh, I bombarded my friends like, She's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize I was going to be getting the, the Brian show on social media. And I was like, I apologize. I was like, I just I couldn't do social media at all throughout the summer. And I was like, I don't want to be doing it too much. And I was like, if I just put it all out right now, then it's it's done. It's one. It's done. So, yeah, I it's all on my Instagram. And that's uh, at defreeze, my last name. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of a sudden that night, all I saw was you, your face and your dog and your dog's happy face yeah luckily uh he ends up liking being in both the truck but more importantly the car he seems to have a smile on and uh i hope i i hope we haven't ruined his uh his hearing yet seth and i installed a little 15 dollar amazon silencer so hopefully uh Hopefully he can he <laughs> he doesn't mind being on the floor of the car too much. So, but he's sure. he's you know I get I get part of it from the dog too. He's always happy. He's always stoked. If I open the door to either one, he's like jumping right in. And I'm like, you know, we're going to the vet. He doesn't care. So that's the uh, that's the <laughs> mentality I try to I try to take with my myself as well. Good. Well, Brian, thank you again. Appreciate it. Um, and for all three of us here at track walking i'm scott i'm seth and i'm brian thanks a lot for listening and we'll talk to you next week Bye.